Our epistle lesson comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to the one body, and be thankful. This is the word of God, for we are the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Revive in us a desire to hear your word and follow after you. Gracious God, though I am an insufficient vessel, may the words that I say be inspired and directed by your love. Amen. Today, many churches are celebrating the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation. As such, um, churches are sort of celebrating that seismic shift that occurred when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. In a sense, Protestants are celebrating their win, right? Even hundreds of years later. According to Stanley Hauerwas's reflection in the Washington Post, on this year's Reformation anniversary, the Reformation, in a sense, is coming to a close. The reforms that the Protestants sought to make have largely come to fruition. The Catholic Church no longer sells indulgences to release loved ones from the punishment of sins in purgatory. These days, we have a sense of kinship with Catholics in a much different way than we held 500 years ago. That being said, All churches remain in need of reformers and change agents to keep us honest and in pursuit of the main concern of our faith. Hauerwas reminds us that the essence of the Reformation was to bring the church back to the centrality of Christ. It is through Christ's life, death, and resurrection that we come to understand our life's meaning. Looking to Christ always brings us back to our true purpose, whether we are attempting new reforms or just trying to get through the day. How, when, and by whom we are forgiven was a central concern to Martin Luther and the Reformers. The Reformers understood that God's action in Christ alone is sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. And so that's where we begin this morning. Oftentimes when we start thinking about forgiveness, we are fraught with problems. We instantly feel the sting of a wound that maybe some words that someone said years ago that we carry along today. We start to think about those easy and trite sayings that may not quite resonate for us like forgive and forget. 
or maybe it's a high-profile murder trial that challenges our ability to forgive. The immediate thoughts in our minds present huge challenges and concerns for pursuing this thing we call forgiveness. If we pause long enough and we glance at the roots of our need for forgiveness, we understand that by the consequence of humanity, we will each sin. We will hurt another person. We will wound someone we love. We will say mean things and we will unfairly judge others. Some describe this nature as original sin, the result of being born as a human in a world where there is free will. Original sin is rooted in pride and selfishness, opting for self-preservation at any cost. Others describe the perpetuation of sin as a disease, something that is sort of passed on to one another. We experience a hurt or a wound, and in turn, we wound other people. This might come in the form of intentional revenge, but it could also be ways in which our brokenness ultimately affects the lives of those around us. Being broken and being sick, we are in need of a physician. We are in need of healing and wholeness, and our souls cry out to God to bind our wounds. As we experience life, our sin not only harms those around us, but it harms ourselves too. In our sin and our mistakes, we feel guilt and remorse and sadness that we often do not live up to our own expectations and certainly not the ideals of God's best for us. Sin is a part of all of our lives, but it is not the all of who we are, right? Sin is a part of all of our lives, but it is not the all of who we are. We are created in God's image, and God gives us intention and calling. God names us and claims us, always inviting us into a relationship with God and a better life. Even when we choose wrong and when we mess up, we can hold firmly to the fact that sin is not, the enti- is not our entirety or the end of the story. Psalm 103 that we read this morning describes God's compassion for us. God does not stay angry with us over our sin forever, but is gracious and patient. God's mercy extends toward us even though we may not deserve it. God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. The psalmist declares that it is because of God's faithful love that this radical forgiveness is possible. God's love was was so great that God sent Jesus to enter into our humanity and conquer sin and death. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection release us from the bonds of sin and the crushing death as a consequence of our sin. Further, we can experience that that life and that joy in the kingdom in the here and now. When we talk about Jesus' gift to us, we often refer to it as justification. Jesus' action allows us to be made right with God just as if we'd never sinned. While the doctrine of justification may not seem like anything to get too excited about, 
It is only by understanding the weight of Christ's action that we are able to conceive of forgiveness. As Christ experiences the depth of human pain and dies for us, we are restored to right relationship with God. There is a song by the contemporary Christian music group Casting Crowns that says, Jesus, you know just how far the east is from the west, one scarred hand to the other. As Jesus stretches out his hands for us and endures the pain of the cross, we experience new life. As far as the east is from the west, our sins and our debts and our transgressions are removed from us. I don't know what you've done wrong in your life. But I know what I've done wrong. And all I have to do is is look at my life and remember how easily it is to sin and to break away from God's intention for our lives. Maybe you can look back on a moment or an incident where you sinned or you messed up in a painful way. And those memories might still feel difficult today. When we confess our sins to God and ask for forgiveness, God does indeed forgive. And our life is restored. As Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he encourages them to exhibit the values and behaviors of kingdom living. Within these words, Paul shares that they ought to forgive one another Because the Lord has forgiven them. This message is for us as well because we need to be grounded in this perspective in order to embark on this journey of forgiveness. I can forgive because Jesus has forgiven me. I can forgive because Jesus has forgiven me. Powerful words. And a powerful concept. Accepting God's forgiveness and living as free, justified servants of Christ ought to make it much easier to forgive other people. And yet we struggle, don't we? We struggle with our ability to forgive. We struggle with our desire to even even start trying to forgive those who've hurt us. We think that forgiveness means we are excusing the hurtful actions of another or possibly saying that it doesn't cause pain. But that's far from the truth. Forgiveness is our journey to restoring righteous relationships, especially especially with God. God's hope for us is to live into that forgiveness given in Jesus Christ. Throughout the next few weeks, as we kind of explore this topic of forgiveness, I'm going to be using some of the material from Archbishop Desmond Tutu's book that he wrote with his daughter, Mfo, called The Book of Forgiveness. Their experience working with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa brings a global perspective to this topic. Reaching into the depths of the human pain caused by violence, to the positive outcomes of the commission, their family has learned a thing or two about what it means to forgive. 
as we walk on this journey of forgiveness, I want you to consider those that you have yet to forgive. It might be a family member. Maybe even someone who is deceased. It might be a friend that you just can't get over something that they did that hurt you. It might be someone that you aren't speaking to right now. So I want you to think for a moment about that situation, about that person, about that concern, and picture it in your mind. And I want you to commit for for this next month as we do these sermons, as we read these scriptures in the Bible about forgiveness, to intentionally work on finding forgiveness in that situation. Unforgiveness is a burden that steals the pleasure and the joy from life. And when we carry around these old wounds and don't allow the healing to begin, we ultimately hurt ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that at the end of these few weeks, by reading these scriptures and by hearing these sermons, sermons, that you will be completely healed or that everything will suddenly be okay in your heart. But I want you to commit right now to getting a little bit further along that path of forgiveness. Commit to holding that person in the light of God and working on your heart as we claim God's forgiveness for ourselves and internalize the ways in which we have been given grace upon grace, let us start to consider how we might take that grace and extend it to others, especially those that we have yet to forgive. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Oh.